Top of the morning to you, lads. We leave the snowy Alps of Alaska, where we uh, left off with the amazing movie Higher. And uh, this week we are hitting uh, 1980s Dublin doing Sing Street. But before we go into the movie, how about you guys introduce yourselves uh, in the spirit of Ireland and name what beer you're drinking and also your favorite 80s band. Pappy, let's start it with you. Oh, pressure's on. Very much so. This is Pappy recording from Denver, Colorado. Current time is 7.48 Mountain Time. I think it's January 19th, right? Yep. Last day of the Obama administration. Uh, Today I'm drinking Session Premium Lager, which was (laughs) a beer that cost about a dollar from my local Colorado liquor store and tastes like it. Uh, Favorite 80s band? That's tough. Um, or solo, solo artists, if you want. Well, I mean, living in Minneapolis for the past two years before moving here, I'd have to go with Prince and the Revolution. Very cool. Jordan, how about you? Uh, this is Jordan. I'm recording from Greensboro, North Carolina. I am currently drinking a classic Bud Light, but I have a Upland Wheat Ale on deck, so I'm kind of looking forward to that about midway through this podcast. Um, favorite 80s musician? Uh, Foreigner. Uh, the four. <laughs> I mean, it's tough to go beyond, you know, Aha and Duran Duran, but um, I've been listening to a lot of Prince lately because there's been some sick playlists coming out. So right now, probably Prince, but I don't know about overall. Cool, cool. Mikey. Uh, uh, Mikey, I'm recording from Elkhart. I'm not drinking anything because I have work tomorrow. Boom. Uh, but, uh, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we can't all show, show up hungover at work, Jordan. I don't get that luxury. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but my favorite 80s band is probably, I like the Smiths a lot. Mm. They're like 80s, 70s. That'll work. 70s, 80s band. And I'm your host, Stevie, recording from Mishawaka, Indiana. I'm currently drinking uh, Sunlight Cream Ale from Sun King Brewery. I think they're an Indiana brewery. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, my favorite 80s band, I knew they were formed in the 70s. It's also one of Pappy's favorite bands. Kind of a guilty no. pleasure. Uh, I'd have to go with Def Leppard. Boo! <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I know, but they wail, man. Even with a one-armed drummer, they still wail. We are talking about uh, 2016's uh, Sing Street, directed by John Carney. Go into the description here. Uh, Sing Street takes us back to 1980s Dublin, seen through the eyes of a 14-year-old boy named Connor Lawler, uh, played by, I can't say his name worth a darn, I guess Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, he was looking for a break. I think it's his name. For it sounds about right. He was looking for a break. From... Fedora Welsh Pedo, I think, is actually. <laughs> is that how you say it? Fedora Welsh Pedo? I'm sounding it out. Yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. I, I don't know. Irish names always kind of confuse me. Anyway, he's uh, looking for a break from a home strained by his parents' relationship and money troubles while trying, try, trying to adjust to a new inner city public school where the kids are rough and the teachers are rougher. He finds a glimmer of hope in the mysterious, uber-cool and beautiful Rafina. Very gorgeous, played by uh, Lucy Boynton. And with the aim of winning her heart, he invites her to star in his band, his band's music videos. The only one problem, he is not part of a band. Yet she agrees, and now Connor must deliver what he's promised, calling himself Cosmo and immersing himself in the vibrant rock trends of the decade. 
He forms a band with a few lads, and the group pours their hearts into writing lyrics and shooting videos. And that is the description of Sing Street. I guess we can go around the table and take get our initial thoughts. Pabby, what you think? Yeah, I mean, hearing that description, I think that one of the traps you might fall into when trying to discuss this movie is that a lot of the plot points and character arcs and um, themes of the movie might come across as cheesy, but I fucking love this movie. <laughs> it's one of my favorite of 2016. I think there's a lot more going on that we'll be able to even touch on in a 30-minute podcast about this movie. Uh, I highly recommend everyone watches it, and it's it's more than just a celebration of music. It's also a celebration of family and siblings and brothers, and, and we'll get into it, but I am very, very glad you picked this. Oh, yeah. Jordan, what'd you think? Yeah, kind of same on this uh, from this side. I This is a movie that I would have seen on Netflix and skipped right past if you hadn't uh, suggested it, and so... It was refreshing and definitely a different kind of movie than I normally watch, um, being like pretty much a musical, I would say. Um, also, that description kind of sounds like it kind of makes Connor sound like a douchebag. He doesn't call himself Cosmo. The girl makes that up for him. So Yeah, it's kind definitely. of a weird part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'll call you Cosmo now. And he's like, oh, okay. you're hot. <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes, yeah. <laughs> Mikey, what did you think initially? Uh, I was going to watch this movie after I saw a trailer for it on the Golden Globes. And it like just caught my eye when they were playing trailers for all the best movies of the year. And uh, when you said it was on Netflix, I was so pumped to watch it right after. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. And it's like a coming-of-age movie, a lot like Perks of Being a Wallflower. And I really like that movie a lot, too. It's kind of It's not as heavy as Perks, but... There's some heavy tones in this, and it's a really good movie, and the music is great, too. Yeah, that's one part I really want to touch upon is the music that is in the movie, kind of the soundtrack itself. I mean, Duran Duran's obviously a big part of it, but the music, like these kids, like, obviously the kids aren't doing it, the creators of this movie are, but the music that's put in this movie for the kids is really well done. Was there a particular song you guys liked the most? Drive It Like You Stole It really jumps out to me. Actually, I even thought their their cover of Rio, the one that the Brendan, their older brother, said, this is shit. That was even kind of funny. I mean, yeah. the way that was put together was very believable that these are um, teenagers who are trying to start a band. Uh, you do have to dis- suspend disbelief that they go from that to an amazing band in <laughs> a matter of minutes. But, you know, it work. It really does work. <laughs> it does work. <laughs> yeah, it does. Somehow, it really does. They get really good on their second song. Really, really good. What was their second song? Was it Riddle of the Model? I think so. Oh, that was the first one. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about, I thought you were including the cover. I mean, like, besides the Duran Duran. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they record that and then give it to Rafina, and she's all like, oh, I like this. And, he, and that's sweet. And he's like, oh, no, it's about a different model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just trying to play it all smooth. <laughs> no, that's a different model. <laughs> That's one thing I kind of appreciate about the main character, Connor, is like 99% of this movie, he was not smooth at all, which is extremely believable for, what is he, 15? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Not smooth, but the man has some big cojones oh, yeah, approaching. He's, he's got some sand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> approaching her on the street there. That was a pretty, that was a pretty smooth move. <laughs> Especially after the, the setup of her character, the very first time you see her, she's kind of just looking off in the distance, and then that... uh. 
Who is that uh, redhead boy's name? Oh, I don't know. The manager. <laughs> yeah, I man. I, they talked really like the Irish accents in this movie were extremely thick. So I couldn't tell you what that kid's name was. This would be a pretty good one to watch on closed caption, but he says something <laughs> along the lines of, uh, oh, you know, she's not interested in any of the schoolboys. And uh, our hero, Connor, is like, well, that's my opportunity then. Yeah, what was that kid's name? I had, And you guys have trouble kind of picking up what... I mean, the main characters kind of had a, a neutral accent to them, but the side characters had extremely thick accents. Did you guys have any trouble like picking up what they were saying? A little bit early on, but... I think it was okay for the most part. Um, like when they're first kind of getting the band together, there's a few times where they're like talking pretty at a pretty quick pace and it's tough to pick up on everything. Yeah, they kind of mumble a lot. Kind of tough to hear sometimes, but also the lingo is like you don't know what the lingo is for Irish kids. Irish kids in the 80s. I think they call Yeah, I think uh, when Connor is first in that classroom, he gets called a spanner or something. And I was like, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he's talking about France. Yeah. Well, they even they even throw in some Irish racial slurs, which I don't even remember what it was. But when they tried to add the keyboard artist, they tried to add the African American <laughs> Irish person to the band. Uh, <laughs> okay. They, uh, oh yeah, it was some. He said something weird. I don't even. Yeah, it's something I never heard before. But it's like, oh, that's a thing I should never say. And then he <laughs> forgot what it was. So. <laughs> But it sounded like something that would be like set in a Dr. Seuss book. It was like something <laughs> so strange. It was like gobbledygook or something, something weird <laughs> like that. Speaking of characters in the band, and um, I thought outside of Connor, I thought the standout acting performance was kind of from his sidekick, a guitarist, Eamon. Dude, yeah, mm-hmm. he was good. I thought that kid is a really good actor. Yeah, I got a little bit of a Elvis Costello vibe but also kind of paul mccartney because you had connor writing the lyrics and uh ian writing the music so yeah yeah you two kind of stuck out to me as well kind of Mm -hmm. between bono and the edge which according to the director they were supposed to be like heavily involved in this movie hey it's that time everything okay uh but they're supposed to be heavily involved in this movie and it didn't work out because their schedules but i think that's the relationship that stuck out to me but i thought that kid just is a really good actor and I hope he was playing all of his instruments. He seemed like a pretty talented musician. What what uh what pet was he really into? He had like some rabbits. Sort of rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Which... I think we should call ourselves the rabbits. Like, dude, what's what's with you and the rabbits? <laughs> Nothing. He, he knocks on the door late at night. Hey, what are you doing? You know, just rabbit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Do you guys know? Is that a musical reference to anybody in particular? I don't believe so. No, but I mean, a lot of, I've watched this movie twice, and I really don't usually do that for this podcast or in general. I don't like revisiting films in a short period of time. Um, I did for this because I really liked it, and I got more out of it the second time, way more. Like, things that went over my head, things that, I love this movie on the first viewing, but now I feel like I really enjoy and understand it on the second movie viewing and uh, i think mikey you saw it twice too right did you pick up on things the second time yeah i saw uh i had a day off in the middle of the week and then i watched it in the middle of the day and then that night i told my sister about it and made her watch it too um so i watched it twice like in the span of like 12 hours 
Oh, nice. Did you make her yeah. watch it so she would appreciate her big brother? That... <laughs> <laughs> no, I left before the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Just pay attention to this next part. I'm, I'm going to go jerk off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. And, like, the first time I w- watched through it, I, I had Shazam on because I knew there was going to be a lot of music. And I didn't notice until the end credits that the main guy, Connor, is the one actually singing all the songs. Like, he's the artist on Shazam that gets recognized. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wow, that kid has some pies for such a young age. I read a little, like, blurb about an interview with the the director, John Carney. And mm-hmm. he said that the tracks that, like, they're featured singing in the, in the movie is, is all the kids. Like, it's not... Um, like he didn't he said it wasn't like really enhanced like it was them wow the, the voices not the instruments well that makes sense but even like when they choose to pull in actual songs like uh the cures boy don't boys don't cry or uh duran duran like you mentioned earlier rio i'm not a big fan of of 80s music or 80s movies despite what i usually pick in particular or 80s <laughs> culture in general but i mean it really is a celebration of those songs. I mean, along with, I think the core theme is siblings, and that's that's said explicitly at the end. But then you have this next layer, which is also a celebration of music. And I don't really like those songs, but I like them more after seeing this, I think. Almost yeah, definitely. I wanted to look up some of these bands after I had watched this. Like that Motorhead song at the beginning was pretty awesome. I had never heard that song before. What song? Oh, was it Keep Clean? Yeah, that Keep Clean. And- also, have you guys ever heard of the Jam? I have actually. I had never heard of them before this movie, and actually looked them up quite a bit after this movie because <laughs> I heard one of their songs playing. Which song do you remember? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. No, I just um, I kind of did what Mikey was doing. I was hatch his am on when certain songs would come on. Yeah, because in this city from the Jam was uh, a seventies rock class I took at IU. That was in there. So, <laughs> oh, Pat, me, I talked about this earlier. Earlier, speaking of things you kind of saw twice, what was Eamon saying about his dad in AA? Dear, I, I have trouble catching that part. What does he say? It's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. <laughs> and he's like, uh, um, he's in whatever they call AA in Ireland. Sorry, I, I don't remember what it was, especially what it was in the 80s. And then uh, <laughs> Connor goes, what's that? And then Ian goes, oh, you know, it's where they go. So you stop beating up your mom. So you stop beating up your wife. And your kids. And that's so heavy. So you go, you stop beating up your wives and your kids and your neighbors. And so then <laughs> attention's instantly broken with that like funny line of, you know, we're talking about domestic abuse, child abuse. Oh, and he also fights the neighbors. And somehow it like, works. But I think, Jordan, you were referencing this right before we started. Yeah, I did not catch it, this at all. Sometimes it doesn't work. And there's a weird. scene where... Rafina and Connor are walking and for no reason we gratuitously add that not only was Rafina's father an alcoholic and a fiend and a you know just a bad guy he was also a molester is that that's what happened right in that scene yeah yeah he says that like he keeps she says yeah 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 sorry the uh, Rafina says that she that her dad had told her that he like keeps her around because he misses her mom or something like that. And like, there's a little bit of an add on there, but yeah, that was one of those things. I was like, wait, did she just, yeah, she just said that. Oh, did, did you catch that? Mikey or Stevie did not catch that at all. Way over my head. 
She said something like, I don't know why, because my mom is way more beautiful or something. She said something weird like that. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And then it gives you, like, literally four or five seconds of them walking in silence, which is a <laughs> long time yeah. to think about what was just said. And you're supposed to be like, oh, oh, you know, like, that's what it wants you to do. But mm. to me, that was just a little bit gratuitous because we also, we already have infidelity parents infighting domestic abuse child abuse bullies homophobia like why do you need to throw that in here too like not saying that any one of these is more important than the other but come on they kind of mentioned it earlier in the film too when she gets in that car with that dude that's obviously in his mid-20s yeah for sure and his brother also says a girl like that probably has daddy issues yeah well, part of the reason that that she tries to go to London with that dude is because they can't get married in Ireland. They can they can get married because she's only fifteen or whatever. They can get married in England. Some pretty heavy oh, themes. Yeah. yeah, it's fucked <laughs> up. But you would describe this movie as a as a comedy or a musical first and foremost. What, what would you guys call it? I would call or it. Would a, you, where'd you put it in gla- in blockbuster? I would call it a comedy about music. I wouldn't quite call it a musical yeah i would say it's more of a movie just about music that was kind of my bad i meant called it a musical in the previous episode but i would say it's yeah just more of like a coming of age comedy about music yeah i would agree with that i called it a musical earlier in the same episode actually um but no yeah you're right it's a comedy about music that's a way better description yeah i mean i don't know this might be full-on musical i don't think that's you think so what is a musical? I mean, isn't that where they're like singing, singing, singing the uh, plot, dialogue, like lines? Yeah, yeah, they're like singing, singing yeah, the like plot. That. Isn't that more the musical? This is like uh, Napoleon Dynamite, but way better. <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> oh God! With more fleshed out, triumphant uh, musical scenes. Um, much, much better. <laughs> God. Um. Dude, another reason, lost a train of thought. There you go. Go ahead, Jordan. Another reason that the uh, guitarist guy was cool was that he was a Liverpool fan. When they showed like the background of his room, there's a picture of Kenny Dogleash um, and like the Liverpool team on his wall. Never oh. walk alone. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty sick. I did not catch that either. I had to rewind just to make sure, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I liked when he was talking to his mom at the. Uh, when they were having that managerial meeting at the at the dinner table, <laughs> like uh, maybe we should take this this conversation elsewhere. And she was like, "Okay, don't don't go smoking." He's like, "Mom, I don't know how many times I have to tell you I don't smoke." And then cut immediately to all of them smoking <laughs> in that little shack. I haven't seen a movie make smoking look this cool since fucking Die Hard. Yeah, it was so yeah, cool I wanted to smoke. To, <laughs> I wanted to sing so bad. <laughs> And they're, like, getting high off it, too. They're smoking in the classroom, smoking it in the bathroom. Yeah, the, the kid was just smoking straight in front of his, his professor. Dude, there's people drinking at the at the prom thing at the end, too, and a guy puking outside in the alleyway. Which, that is a full-on uh, Back to the Future uh, mo- or uh, tip of the hat, right? Yeah. I kind of thought, like, the Drive Out Like You Stole It was, like, a music video almost homage to Back to the Future. Do you guys think that, too? Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it's a celebration of the 80s, and as Vince the intern would say, who's not on this episode, uh, we ne- none of us has been a moment in the 80s, but <laughs> it still works. It's it's definitely going to be member berries for people who are Gen X, 
But for us, I think it was still really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it, it just had that overall 80s feel to it. And especially when Connor's going through his growth stages throughout the movie, where you can see him kind of changing his wardrobe and changing his attitude as the movie goes along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's like wearing makeup. He almost looked like Boy George in some of those scenes with like his hat and everything. Boy George, David Bowie, for sure. Yeah, I thought it was kind of more of a reference to that. I kind of want to get into my only gripe with this movie. What did you guys think of the ending? Uh, All right, well, what happened? Can you spoil that for us? Yeah. Um, is, they really uh, allude to it all movie, but young people and old people from Ireland are taking the boat over to London for a chance at their dreams. And they have like no money with them. The only way to get over there is an expensive ferry. Flights are too expensive. And so Connor ends up persuading Rafina to go with him on his family's boat and follow the ferry to London to start his music career and kind of jumpstart her modeling career, but she really doesn't have one in Ireland. Did you guys think it was kind of sappy? Uh, I think it, it was kind of sappy, but it was like kind of happening all too quick. Like as soon as that concert ended, they were immediately on the boat. Yeah. Like just... It all just seemed a little a little too fast-paced for how the rest of the movie had progressed. It just seemed kind of out of nowhere. Pappy, how about you? I mean, I would disagree only in the sense that this movie is absurd, if you want to pick it apart from the aspect of, yeah. of course, this isn't going to work out. Uh, I think once you get to the end... The movie is assuming that you're riding this high of emotions and that you're willing to suspend disbelief and accept anything. I think, of course, if you break it down, yeah, it's a problem. Of course, they didn't make it. And if you really, (laughs) really, really want to double down, (laughs) and if you really want to double down, that's basically the last scene in The Graduate, right? That's what I thought exactly was The Graduate. Yeah, this, this, this couple running off and ultimately as an adult, you use logic and you're like, this is for worse, not for better. You guys fucked up. But what this movie does give us is uh, Brendan doing the uh, breakfast club fist pump at the end. <laughs> and it's it like... is part with the windows down. And to me, the reason that I really love this movie is it's not a movie about uh, love. It's not a movie. It is kind of a movie about music, but even the the dedication at the end, it's really about the relationship of this burnout older brother and his younger brother and the burnout trying to make a better life for his younger brother than he had. And that's a really, really sweet story and it culminates in that and that's why I think this is one of my favorite movies of 2016. So I would say I, I did like the ending. I really did. Not him leaving, but the fist pump and that's the culmination of that storyline. Yeah. Yeah, that was like kind of like the only letdown to me was just, I mean, it's not a bad ending. I mean, I love the movie overall. That's why I picked it. I just actually love this movie, especially the music in it. I was kind of on Mikey's boat. The ending just seemed rushed. But also, that had to be their thinking as well. It was probably rushed thinking. They weren't thinking a lot. So that's probably why the ending probably works overall. Um, let's say, let's go ahead and jump into yeses or noes. Pappy, we'll start with you. Wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, <laughs> oh please. Yeah, Sorry. we got some Jordan facts. Jordan facts. No, we need a I... bumper for this. Jordan facts is they're always accurate and always true, especially this, the Tower of Sauron. <laughs> hey, that <laughs> ordination stand up. 
I've been trying to find a the quote. It was uh, further on in that in that same interview where like the director guy talked about the ending a little bit. Um, bah, 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 bah. I'm trying to see where he says it. So he he says, "I sort of hope the scene at the end would look like a little like a fantasy sequence. You're supposed to wonder where the reality ends and the pop video begins." But people are actually taking it very seriously, and people are assuming are presuming it's fully real, which is interesting. That wasn't the intention. So almost oh. like, yeah, almost like it was more of like his kind of daydreams and stuff, and that that wasn't supposed to be an actual or not necessarily like the actual ending, I guess. Kind of like the drive it like he stole it scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like they even well, point, for- they point out in the interview that like the the when they are. Like rehearsing, I think for the prom, they are like, like he imagines like a sequence where his parents come in, they're all good, and the fucking principal of the school, whatever, like the archbishop guy, he like comes in and does somersaults across the floor. Yeah, which I loved. It was fucking hilarious. Um, but like that was like really like candy colored and like dreamy, and like you could tell that it was fantasy. And I think it almost gets to that point, like when they all all of a sudden like are about to run into the side of a fucking huge fairy. Like it, it looks kind of fake and dreamish at that point too. I think. I would agree. I mean, I don't think there's enough there though for for me to read into that was supposed to be a is this real or not? I would have like gone harder with the music or something, right? Like. Yeah, and I also thought that that kind of took away from like the brother storyline, a little bit too. Like that part, I wanted to be real, but not them like actually going off in a tiny fucking boat. I was kind of sad he didn't get to play his solo at prom. Yeah. Alrighty, you guys ready for yes or no's? Yeah, I guess. All right, Pappy, I'll start with you. So, um, I recently put out my top ten movies of 2016. This didn't make it. This is the number one rewatchable movie of 2016. I will revisit this many, 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 many times in my life. And if someone asks me for a movie to recommend, I'll recommend this. Um, it's a joy adrenaline rush injected right into your arm it's fun you're happy when you see it uh even though it does deal with very grown-up hard to talk about themes um it's a celebration of brothers it's a celebration of 80s music and it works on every level the hardest of yeses for me cool jordan how about you fully erect yes (laughs) yeah um while i was watching this movie i i kept being reminded of School of Rock, which is one of those that like comes on TBS or TNT pretty often, and I feel like I can always watch like bits and pieces of it, and it's still pretty entertaining, even though it has fucking terrible Jack Black and a <laughs> and a and a Pappy lookalike as the other co-star. Um, That's my doppelganger. That's my doppelganger. <laughs> but, um, you want to know I look like? Watch School of Rock. I'm the guitar player with the freaky eyes. He's a step off kid. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Um, Got to find a picture of that kid now. But yeah, I, I think this is. Like definitely, a, like it's a similar sort of movie, I would say, um, but a much better. Uh, like they pull it off in a in a much better way. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a yes for me, dog. Nice, two yeses so far, Mikey. How about you? Uh, I agree with everything that Pab said. That it has a lot of rewatchability, and uh, the music is great. It's all original music, besides the besides the soundtrack to it. I mean. You gotta listen to those kids sing because these songs are like really, really '80s. Really, like it covers just about every genre. The '80s had. Um, it's a funny movie. Uh, 
I love all the lingo. It's like a coming of age movie. It was just super entertaining all around. And I watched it twice in less than 24 hours. I never do that. Like, it was <laughs> how much I enjoyed the movie. So, Very yeah, cool. it's a yes for me. A yes for Mikey. Well, it's obviously going to be a yes for me. Um, I, too, like Pappy and Mikey, watch this movie twice in a very short amount of time. The music is absolutely fantastic. Uh, just the guitars, the drums, keyboards, our main character singing. Very well done. Act, the background cast is also really good. Just overall, a fun story to watch. It's just an uplifting movie, so I'd recommend it to anybody. So a solid yes for me. And is that preserved? That is a preserved film. Awesome. All yeses. I think I might take the lead. Very cool. No, well, you don't. But I don't take the lead? <laughs> nope. Oh, man. Oh, I'm almost there then. Are you guys ready for trivia? Oh, yeah. Born ready. All righty. Oh, here it comes. So, this movie was set in 1985. And when Connor and... Rafina make it over across the pond and get their contracts be a model and a musician. They're obviously going to go to the movies and see the number one movie of 1985. Oh, no. Which was Back to the Future. Oh. What? What do you think it was? Where's this going? It's an emotional <laughs> roller coaster. Just ask the question. Worldwide, this movie took in $381,109,762. My question is how much foreign money did it take in? To Back to the Future? Yep. Right? $381 oh, mil Jesus. was the total. Mm. How much foreign? Jesus. You can go over. I just want the is that three hundred? Sorry, is that $381 million as of 2017? No, that's of like the year. Initial? Just the year. Okay, if So that's, that's the domestic and worldwide. You want us to guess like a portion of that was worldwide? <sighs> Yeah, I want you to tell me the foreign. Okay. Let's see order. $381,109,762 was the grand total. Who, who wants to go first? Well, I think Mikey can pick going first or last. Money? You want to go first or go last? You can go over. I just went I'll closest. Go. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I'll say... A hundred ninety-five million. Okay. That's a good fucking guess, Mikey. That's a good guess. I'll go last. Okay, Jordan. I've got one hundred and fifty-four million. God damn you guys! Oh yeah. Happy, what you want? So it made three hundred eighty million dollars in nineteen eighty-five. Yep, three hundred eighty-one million. And Jordan guessed 150. Jordan guessed 150. 154. 154. Okay. And Mikey guessed 190. What? Five. I'll say. So I'm just trying to let the tension build a little bit. Um, I'll say one dollar below whatever Jordan said. God damn you, Pappy! You son of a bitch! That's a second. Doesn't make it right. Oh. Doesn't make it right. Pappy, you played yourself. <laughs> If you'd have gone a dollar over, you'd have won. God! What? <laughs> the grand total was $170 million. I can't lose for winning! Yes. 
So Jordan, if you don't pick Young Guns too. Actually, no. I'll tell you what, you sit <laughs> on it. Let's do uh, let's do the plugs. Okay. I'm so frustrated. Um, if you guys want to find us on Twitter, we are at spoilers underscore pod. Is that what it is? New Twitter. New, new, new Twitter. Twitter. New Year. New branded. Twitter. Spoilers underscore pod. If you guys want to send us an email, let us know how we're doing. It's at it's podcast spoilers at gmail.com. And is our website of the same name? Podcastspoilers.com. Podcastspoilers.com. Some metadata of who said yes the most, who's won trivia the most, etc. Stats you can find there. Uh, hopefully. Also, if you guys want to find us on iTunes, we are spoilers with an exclamation point. We look like a serial bowl with spoilers spelled in the middle. Leave us a review. Also, if you guys want us to do a movie, uh, tell us a movie we should do and we'll spoil it for you. Also, we'd like to thank Josh Hensley, who did our intro and outro. He's of the band The Rutabaga. And right before Jordan picks, what we have coming down the pipeline is a 50th episode trivia extravaganza. Oh, yeah. Christmas Eve Eve. Live from the dugout. <laughs> yeah. We also have a uh, Oscar Pick'em show, Oscar Results show, and a Punishment episode show coming down the line, which should all be pretty fun. Demolition Man. Fixing up. Yeah. TVD, who won that, so. <laughs> no spoilers on that. No spoilers. <laughs> Alrighty, Jordan, what movie are we spoiling next? Man, I always struggle because I never expect to win trivia. Maybe I should kind of change that. Um, Fuck you. Dude, this is is the part of the show where you freak out and choose a Western. (laughs) Young Guns 2. Yeah, Young Guns 2. If the uh, if the lost episodes were included in the stats, I think I would have the the highest win rate for trivia for sure. I'll spoil one thing. One stat that Jordan does lead the league in is most no's per movie. <laughs> a blistering two out of three votes is a no. Chosen. Oh, what? Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Back to you, Joe. Back to you. <laughs> Damn. How do, how does a man recover from that? Um. Is it is it poor form to do a uh, documentary since we just did one kind of? Oh Christ! Have at it. It's your day. As long as it's not smoking. As long as it's not higher, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I, I was the so there's there's a decent chance I pivot, like a pretty good chance. But um, the one that came to my head was Class of '92. Oh, I like that. What, uh, what, is, what it? is it? It is a documentary that. A documentary film that centers on the rise of six young Manchester United footballers. Beckham, Nicky Butt, boo. Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Phil Neville, and Paul Scholes. I, I also say boo, but it's a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a while and just haven't gotten to it, so this would be a, maybe a good shot for it. I dig it. Class of 92 it is. Not Young Guns, too, like we thought. I reserve oh. the right to pivot. <laughs> <laughs> but do they do it in Arizona in the, eight, in the 19th century? Alrighty, thank you guys for listening. Check us out when we do Class of 92 next. This is spoilers. Bye.